โมทัสสะภะคะวะโตวะระหะโตสัมมาสัมพุทธัสสะนะโมทัสสะภะคะวะโตอะระหะโตสัมมาสัมพุทธัสสะนะโมทัสสะภะคะวะโตอะระหะโตสัมมาสัมพุทธัสสะอาภารุธาเดสังอมัตสัตถวาราเยโสรวันธาบมุนจันทุสัตตังจะ trust in our awakening awareness what then is the right movement to social action this gives rise to desire to do and also desire to right outcome self-opinionated or should we let the disadvantage to their karma Yeah, well, so like social action is, is awareness. There's no obstruction to social action. They, uh, <laughs> you know, like doing good in the society and and uh, you know trying to help the disadvantaged and. Improve the conditions and right the wrongs, and this is uh, this is all very praiseworthy. So this is this is uh, but the awareness then is you know like to awareness doesn't may make you indifferent and not caring. It doesn't kind of you know cut your heart out. So you're just <laughs> totally indifferent to. The environment you're living in, but it 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 does allow you to to uh, see more clearly what what is worth doing or what you can offer, or what you can do. Sometimes, you know, we're very altruistic. We'd like to help the whole world and and solve all the social problems and every disadvantaged person. But then we find, you know, we're pretty limited in, uh, you know, having one body, <laughs> so there's a kind of altruism, you know, that 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 is, you know, it's to be, you know, it's, it's a beautiful quality to have. But <coughs> then with uh, awareness and wisdom, then we. You know, with the, what the way we are, the talents we have, the uh, you know, the position we're in, then we we can, you know, we're more clear what we can offer, what how we can help. Because so many, there's a lot of do-gooders in the world, and then they, you know, and then they they give up or they become cynics because they maybe they. They expect too much and overestimate themselves, or don't take into account the limitations that that they have. 
So like being a Buddhist monk, say people say you you know what are you, you know you're just living here, uh, in a realm you know. Not doing anything about the world's problems. You know, they, I was asked the other day to go and set George Bush straight. <laughs> <laughs> So, uh, I mean, that's, you know, people, you know, but then you, you know, in reflection on, on Mike, what I have to offer the society, you know, like here, as a Buddhist monk in the UK, <coughs> you know, I can, uh, I can do things that, that people who aren't Buddhist monks can't do. So establish monasteries and and uh, so forth. So set up, you know, allow people to take uh, on the monastic forms. And so these are, this isn't living, you know, just in a selfish way, ignoring the the problems of the society. But it's uh, it's also, you know, has a good effect on the society. I hope. <laughs> At worst, it's not harming it. <coughs> but also, you know what? What I'm teaching is uh, is is an awakening. You know, is to awaken. So, it's, you know, this is uh, there's so much. Most of what goes on in the world, why the world is such a mess, is because people aren't aware, aren't awake. They're just operating from ideas or, or you know, selfish motives or self-interest or even altruists, you know, can, you know, work hard to, to help all sentient beings and then, <coughs> and, but if it's coming out of ignorance and not understanding things, then it, it, it can be quite disillusioning. <coughs> So this is well, you know, really investigating what it is to be a human being and having a, you know, having a retentive memory, the a physical body, um, you know, the kind of discriminative intelligence, being educated or whatever, and then uh, the feeling part of it, the being in the sensitive form, you, you know, you're really awakening to the way it is and if you understand and you can learn from the way you are you know you can't learn from the way I am so you have to learn from the way you are and that but that gives you you know if you learn from the way you are then you have compassion for me because we aren't that different you know so it's uh, <laughs> it's uh, or all human beings or Creatures, you know, compassion is, is uh, coming from from understanding the the, the suffering uh, of having of being in a form like this in this planet. So we can even, you know, understand the suffering of other creatures, not other humans and other species. It's also, you know, recognizing. Developing attitudes where we we aren't just thinking of 
what can I, how can I get the best for myself? But you, respecting the environment, these are issues now. How to, you know, respect nature, the environment, sustainable development, world peace, and all this. These are, you know, how to stop the uh, destruction of the environment. How to respect the the other creatures that live with us rather than just, uh, you know, take advantage of them and disregard their lives and, you know, we move more toward just taking what we need, you know, rather than just being greedy and <coughs> thoughtless. So then this is a great asset to whatever, you you know, if you're in in field of of social work or psychotherapy or politics or uh, community development, awareness is will give you more understanding of the real problems of what really what is how you can assist or help others. Next one. How do you relate to the Bodhisattva intention? How does this intention express itself in the unity with consciousness? Well, it not being, um, I don't, in the Theravada, we, we, the word Bodhisattva is, has a different it's not the same as in the Mahayana. So in Theravada, bodhisattvas are, you know, the lives of the Buddha before he was the Buddha, uh, developing virtues, the ten paramitas and so forth. So in the, in the Jataka story, they talk about the bodhisattva when he was uh, Prince Vaisantara, developing the generosity and so forth. But in the Mahayana, the, it's very altruistic. Uh, to uh, save all sentient beings before you save yourself. So this is, or something like this, I might be, I might have misquoted, but this is the impression I have. Well, this is, this is, uh, this is altruism, and it can be a skillful means, you know, to, 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 uh, you know, because then we can approach meditation of, is in a very self-centered way of I want to get out of this world I've had enough of it I don't care about you as long as I <laughs> as long as I get out <laughs> <laughs> that's one extreme and that's what I think Mahayanas usually think Theravadans do <laughs> but but these are these are conventions and and forms that you know that you know you can use or not use it it's uh you know it's up to you really um, the bodhisattva is is very you know is 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 a, is a vow then it's people who take this vow uh, then they they try to live in a way that is Unselfish, unselfish, and and respecting, uh, like they become 
usually vegetarians and and they won't eat garlic or onions. <laughs> so that but it but it but recognize it's a it's a, you know, I've never felt inclined or the need to to take this vow, but I certainly appreciate it, you know, so it's, it's not that I'm discouraging it or disparaging it in any way, but this is, this is more personal inclination, really, because uh, the thing that attracted me was more, you know, the uh, understanding the, uh, from the Four Noble Truths. The, this is this is the teaching that 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 inspired me and interested me. <coughs> but also, saving all sentient beings from a from a, a personal view might sound impossible. You know, like if we we're so identified with our personalities. And uh, and then they even go to the last till the last blade of grass is enlightened, and then you look at all the grass here at Amravati, <laughs> <laughs> and from the limitation of a personality that that sounds over the top to me, but but also as a, as a, as a but if you're Looking at it not from a personal conditioning, you know, your personality. You know, it's it's a oneness, isn't it? With interconnectedness, or you know, is the grass that much? You know, is is it, that's part that's a blade of grass in the in the oneness, and and this is a human form in the oneness. So, as these kind of as we as we let go of these divisions, you know, of identity, I'm, I'm this monk, and, and you're just a blade of grass, you know, then that, that makes it sound, you know, makes it sound, uh, you know, very, I mean, terribly impractical, but the, uh, but that's the, that's how the, the view, the identity goes, you identify, and then, and I can't see how I can save even anyone else from the personal view. When I operate from my personality, I tend to cause more division rather than unity. So, uh, so then, realization, oneness, or awareness is the is the reality of oneness. From there, the the problem resolves itself. But such an intention can also be, you know, an aspiration or a, a, an ideal that that uh, helps us, so that we're not we're not uh, you know we we're not trying to make ourselves unselfish, but to be unselfish, you have to understand what the self is. You know, you, you to let go of self and. You have to understand selfishness. So, you know, if I say, 
you know, one way of intimidating people is saying, you know, if you want to them to do something and they don't want to do it, then I say, you're being selfish. <laughs> and then, oh, I don't want to be selfish. But, um, but, you know, what is selfishness? And it's like, like you, 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 uh, unselfishness, you can't just, you know, you might like the idea and, and try to be unselfish. But if it's still coming from a delusion of self, you know, you might, you might be a better person in the society, you know, but, but to really solve the problem of selfishness is understanding the nature of self. And then, then, uh, then once you let go of self, then that is a bodhisattva or an enlightened being or so but in in then in in um like uh in Terabola they use the their highest is usually with under the title Arahant and that that is um and then the, sometimes it says the selfish arahant and the altruistic bodhisattva. <laughs> <laughs> I can't see how an arahant could be selfish, <laughs> because if you you know if you study the, the scripture, you know the the, the arahant lets go of self. And uh, but these are these are just terms and. And 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 give an emphasis in different traditions. It's not really a problem. It's just you know to, the the whole aim is to to not get caught in in uh, kind of doubts and and opinions about <coughs> these terms or, or any tradition, but to observe that any kind of opinions you form or prejudices you have or doubts and and that you know the awareness is 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 like shining the light on these on these conditions so you you see things you see a condition as a condition rather than as as uh, as a problem or a, or some as a as a separate self I really enjoy listening to music and singing and love to go out dancing. Would this be a hindrance to my spiritual development? <laughs> well, if you're under the eight precepts, it would be. <laughs> but if... <laughs> but if... <laughs> <laughs> But you've got to find this out for yourself. First, first, uh, you know, um, you know, awaken, develop awareness. Comes in, you'll find out whether these things are hindrances or not. You know, I'm being a monk under the Vina. I can't go out singing and dancing. So <laughs> you've got to tell me whether it's a hindrance. <laughs> 
I would like to clarify between the thinking and the awareness of the thinking. It is the awareness of the thinking that you want us to observe and not the thinking. Well, you can't be aware of awareness. You are aware or you're not. And it's a knowing. So you to be aware uh, of the awareness of thinking uh, isn't, isn't, you know, isn't quite right. But, uh, you know, like in recognizing awareness, but you can't be aware of awareness, but you can recognize awareness. And then, then, then you can be aware of thinking, because thinking you create. You know, so th- thinking is is a development that we we acquire after we're born. So it's and then it's depending on memory and language and and uh, well that. So we, you know, we can be aware of thinking. So in the in this notice that what I'm saying is, you know, we we would like you know we get this idea we should be aware of awareness, which is impossible because uh, you don't need, like I don't need to see my own eyes to see. You know, I'm, I can look in a mirror and see them in a reflection, but those aren't my eyes, that's a reflection, isn't it? And at this very moment I'm sitting here, I can't see my own eyes, but I'm seeing. I can see your eyes, but I can't see my own. So, I mean, this is a point. Uh, I I don't have to see the see my eyes to see you. I'm just seeing. You know, the eyes are the, in order to see, and <laughs> that's their function. And and so awareness is just you know seeing really with consciousness, uh, but you don't have to be aware of awareness. And the, the, then the, uh, the uh, recognition of awareness, this is what we're doing in the Four Noble Truths, is that, uh, you know, you're uh, to, to taking this, this uh, First Noble Truth of suffering, then investigating that till you 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 know you're taking some quite ordinary uh, you know experience of dissatisfaction or disease or whatever whatever you know suffering includes at this moment the category of suffering understanding that and and then to understand that you're not trying to figure it out anymore you know whose fault is it that I'm suffering or is it my fault or is it because of karma or is it um, whatever you know they're trying to then you're trying to think about suffering so you're not trying to to think and analyze why I am suffering but there is suffering so you know you you know it's a turning it's a awareness of suffering because suffering is say generally from a you know unawakened 
means is what you're resisting or trying to to get rid of. So it's a it's a, a in, it's a, an encouragement to to not just resist and and reject and run away from suffering, but to be aware of it, put it into awareness, understand it, and then you see see the causes and the cessation. So you're using awareness to, but not analysis. And if you think, why am I suffering? Then I get into, I have to think about, analyze myself. Why do I suffer? Uh, why am I suffering? Because uh, of, you know, my mother, father, teachers, uh, uh, lack of, uh, you know, nobody understands me properly when I was young. My mother dropped me on my head. (laughs) 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 The cold weather, uh, the age, you know, know, why why do I have to get old, you know? Why is my body, you know, getting so stiff and uncomfortable? And it's not fair. Then, uh, or you know, I can analyze and study the process of old age, but still, you know, I'm still suffering from it. But if I'm aware of suffering, which is the same regards to being old, an old body is 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 it suffering, or am I creating suffering? Well, this is a kind of way of questioning yourself. The body's like this, you know, and and. Uh, and this is so the body is aging, and as it ages, it loses its lightness, its uh, you know its elasticity. Uh, you have the uh, kind of inc- uh, creeping stiffness, ankylosis, and various other. <laughs> you don't have the get up and go that you used to have. And you're short of breath, and is this suffering? You know, this is this is uh, you know, in terms of this is this is the way it is. The bodies are like this, or my aversion to it, not wanting it to be like this, not wanting to get old, resenting the fact that 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 people refer to to me as an old man. You know, most people don't, you know, don't dare say you're old because they get quite upset. And when I talk about being old, people say, you're not old. You you only look. Uh, <laughs> some people think I'm only 70. <laughs> How do we improve our intention? And that, uh, like intention is, uh, like uh, I like to use my, uh, like 
for our monastic life, say, my intention for being a Buddhist monk is to realize the truth, realize Nibbana. Now that's very rational, you know, it's not, it's made in a, it's not, I didn't make this intention when I was just inspired out of my mind, you know. It's quite, you know, when you, when you ask for the ordination, you say, to realize Nibbana and be free from suffering. So, so this is the intention of, uh, of uh, monastics. Now this is an, uh, you know, it can become from an inspiration, but also uh, it, it, it needn't be, in, it can be just a rational intention. It's a, to me it's a perfect intention. And then it doesn't mean that I always feel that way. You know, I, you know, you, in in a life, in a lifetime, you know, you, you have this, this, but it, because I make it rational, it's not just an emotional high, it's quite cool, you know, and then, then it helps to also, you know, bring up the sense of, you know, say, when the self is very strong, can I realize Nirvana, I'm, you know, uh, Am I good enough? Do I have enough uh, virtue? Uh, uh, I've got so many defects and problems and, uh, and that that somebody like me could ever think of attaining Nibbana? <laughs> and, uh, and then it brings up this sense of oftentimes this, this lack of self-worth because, you know, or maybe I'm really... Uh, inflated ego and think I'm going to get it I'm going to be the first American Arahant <laughs> that you know I'm going to prove to everybody I can do it and <coughs> and I'll get in the Guinness Book of Records <laughs> my immortality <laughs> uh, and that's that's the ego isn't it you know trying to I can do it, but I don't know about the rest of you. <laughs> so, and that's arrogance. But the, uh, but in, this is what you know. Like when we ordain, it's a, it's a even formulaic. So you, you, you know, it's, it's, uh, you know, it's, it's not, it's not being uh, overestimating, or it's not about, you know, seeing a, this is a, a kind of great success story if you re- realize Nibbana. Because as you, it's not, it has nothing to do with success or a personality or, or, uh, or your karmic uh, conditions. It's, you know, it's, it's about awareness and awakening. Well, this isn't, you know, the Buddha aimed his teaching at at this point, you know, not at, at at some kind of impossible altruistic goal that only may be very, very special human beings could ever hope to get near. So even the word Nibbana or Nirvana can, you know, in the, in the thinking, the way your mind thinks, Nirvana ends up as being the ultimate, the best. So that's that's the highest, you know, and and anyone who's 
realize nibbana. I mean, it makes it sound so high that on a personal level, it's it's just too high for me. If I'm coming from my personal habits and 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 without awareness or wisdom, then it seems unattainable because that's still coming from the the uh, linear thinking process where you know it's it's heaven hell and good and bad right and wrong and the bond is at the at the peak of it all and and that's so high you know and sometimes in buddhist countries they think the bond is so high <coughs> that you can't get there anymore and i've heard even thai monks say this that Nobody can realize Nibbana anymore because we're also corrupt and we're not like at the time of the Buddha. Obviously, at the time of the Buddha, they were pure kind of race of people. (laughs) And how do you know that? You know, they didn't sound like it when you read the scriptures. (laughs) (laughs) Pretty, pretty coarse, pretty rough kind of people. But... Um, I mean, this is just you know how we, when we're stuck in that in that kind of, uh, in the thinking process, that's all that you know. You can't nibbana becomes a, a a superlative, an ultimate. But when you when you contemplate the Buddhist teaching, you know, talking about the middle way, majima bodhibhata, and what does that mean? Uh, is it a compromise between right and wrong? Or is <laughs> it kind of just like bland porridge, you know, and no taste? Is <laughs> and then, then you, you know, it's, that's the, the thinking mind again. You know, it's the middle way, so it must be some kind of, you know, compromise, uh, which sounds pretty... You know, it's not terribly inspiring either. <coughs> but it's, but the middle way, or the Majjhima Bhattibhata, is, is, is awareness, awakenness. So, it's, and it's not high as, com- as an opposite of low. It's one. You know, so it's, uh, Nibbana is, is, uh, you know, is the reality of non-attachment when you when you recognize when you realize recognize non-attachment this is what it means so it's not a high state in terms of you know some high attainment beyond any of your beyond any any anybody here that you know you know that couldn't possibly realize nibbana <coughs> If you believe that, then you you you'll never realize nibbana. I admit. (laughs) 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 If you're convinced you can't ever realize nibbana, you'll never will, because you you're stuck with a with a self view. (coughs) But then then from the ego thing, I'm going to realize nibbana because I'm somehow uh, above everyone else. That I'm not going to do it either. Can't do it that way. But it's it's awakening to that, to the ego, to the sakyaditi, and and the attachment, the habitual attachments and and assumptions we make from that. 
And in the in the second noble truth, or the insight is letting go, recognizing, you know, insightfully seeing or recognizing the pain or the suffering of attachment to these things, to conditions. You know, you see it for yourself. You witness it. You feel it. You, the suffering is is due to ignorance of the Dhamma and attachments to conditions. Then the then the insight let go. Letting go. It's not it's not a uh, a destructive act. It's just you know like this. You your your fist is tight, holding on. You say, let you relax your hands. So then you you. The reali- reali- realizing nibbana is is nibbana is reality. You know the the peace the of nibbana is is not high. It's not in being above it all, but it's it's not it's not being attached anymore in the way you were when you were ignorant. But you're still going to to feel, you know, you still get old, you get stiff joints, short of breath, <laughs> arthritis in your feet and other places. And but that's not suffering. I mean that's uncomfortable. But you know, the, but it's like we're not creating suffering onto the way it is. So with the aging process in the world as it is, we, you know, if we know this, then we can bear with the, you know, we have patience, endurance, we have compassion, uh, ways of of living in with the conditioned world, which is non-suffering, and yet we still feel. You know, so when you see uh, something really terrible happen, you know, and, and you still feel sadness when you see, you know, unfairness or brutality and, and things like this, you don't, you're not indifferent, but you're not attached to the feeling. Or like grief, you know, <coughs> there was a discussion the other day about grief, and, and what is what is this, you know, what is grief? And yet we all experience grief. It's a common emotion. And it's the loss of something, uh, you know, like somebody or something we we love. And so, you know, when somebody dies, you know, the one you love dies or, or separates or goes away, then that, that, you know, there's a feeling of grief that's, it's quite natural to have. And the awareness of that grief. Or is it personal? You know, poor me, how could, why did my loved one die or leave me? And, and then I get caught in feeling sorry for myself or, or anger because it's not fair. That's from the personal view. But the actual feeling of grief is 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 natural and it's a natural feeling when you know when there's this a bond between two people and uh, when that's broken this is the this is what you feel and the awareness of that means you 
you, you can experience grief without creating suffering around it. It's, it's just being able to, to, to accept these things and see them as they are. And then, and if you do this, then the grief, you know, it's not permanent in, when it's... But if you're trying to get rid of it, you know, suppress it, not feel it, then that's the other extreme, uh, you know, of feeling sorry for yourself, then you're just refusing it, and then that leads to more suffering. So it's not in, in denying or rejecting or in, it in indulging, but in recognizing. Because grief is an, Im- is an experience we can all bear. You know, it's not unbearable. And and then it and, and when we see it in this way, then it has its 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 beginning, and it's you know it sustains itself for a while, and it ceases. So it's not you know it's in this way you you know we all we find an increasing confidence in the, with awareness through understanding these things that happen to us. This human realm is like this. While meditating, I have come to recognize and dwell for extended periods in a state where the usual mind chatters and thought association has ceased. My mind is open and attentive. I can discern the impulse to think almost before the thought has been formed. In this state, there is no self or identity or personality. Apart from developing the practice, apart from developing the practice, so I do not call back, so I do not fall back into delusion. Am I entitled to shout Eureka? (laughs) Yes. Like, like when you, you, you know, as you, as you recognize the emptiness or the, the, the realize awareness, and it, it's self-sustaining. So you, it's not, you know, when you, when you think you've got to hold on to it, then it's gone. So, but you begin to see that you, you, you know, how you, you know, if you, the trouble with shout, shouting Eureka is it might, you might. Lose it. (laughs) 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 But this is where, you know, no matter how many times you can lose it, once you recognize it, then you can always, just by recalling. You know, so it is, it is a eureka experience, really, really, you know, to, this is this is it. It's it's not it's not something, you know, so high or so refined that that uh, the average person can't recognize it. 
but the, oftentimes our personalities are so complicated that we, we you know, we really believe I'm I'm this complicated, difficult, neurotic person, and there's no hope for me. And if I believe that, never question it, then I'm going to be stuck there for the rest of my life. You know, you know, I've already I'm a victim of my own thinking. I made myself that. You know, so like awakeness is is isn't denying the the personality, but put it in its proper place so you you see it and know it, and no longer believe in it and limit yourself with these kind of uh, assumptions. In our work, where we need to do a lot of intellectualizing, how can we apply discernment and intuitive awareness? If intellectualization and intuitive awareness are two different things. Well, in with awareness, you begin to understand how to use the intellect. You know, a lot of, you know, thinking and all that is just habitual and the you know, just, and then we, uh, you know, we're identified with our thoughts, and and even when we are reasoning, like how we have some kind of scientific uh, profession or thing where we reason and analyze things in, in this very rational way, it still can, you know, be be limited by the by the assumptions, uh, uh, by the ignorance of the self. So we, you know, we tend, you know, how scientists can just have be formed very strong opinions because of the rationale. They they put reason and logic up high as the highest human attainment, and they're limited to reason. Then, and reason is a is a tool, but it's not an end in itself. You know, one can be very reasonable up here, but in here, it's not reasonable. You know, emotions aren't reasonable. But you can be very reasonable in your brain, you know, the intellect, you know, and <coughs> you know, everything should be fair and 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 very rational and and clear intellectual thinking, but emotionally be totally confused. And so oftentimes you know, we, we attach to this rational function because it is beautiful, and and rationality is, you know, is quite a, you know, it's it's, a, it's a something we like. It makes us feel safe and secure, and we try to reason our way through life, be reasonable, uh, logical about everything, and yet not be aware of actually what we're feeling, or how we're affecting others. So sometimes very rational reasonable people are very insensitive, as you've probably <coughs> experienced. So you you know, as you attach to your intellect, you 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 know, you don't feel very much. Your your brain, you know, the thinking, rational thoughts do not have feelings. Reason is not a is has no compassion. And so you you know, we can do terrible things in a reasonable way. 
like genocide can be quite reasonable. <laughs> and, you know, we can, we can justify all kinds of um, things, you know, like a torture now. The Americans are trying to be, you know, justify torture as a, you know, they don't call it that. <laughs> they call it extra something rendition. You know, or they, they find euphemism, because torture isn't a very nice word. <laughs> and, but, and so you want to call it something else. And it's reasonable because of the, of the terrorism and the 9-11. And so let's be reasonable about this. We've got to, you know, extract confessions from people that we, we feel certain are the enemy. And the only way we can do it is by torturing them till they confess. And um, there's a certain reason there, but but then what is the result? You know that that you you know you're you know you're, you you can you know through that you can torture and do terrible things to others because it's it's a reasonable thing to do according to your logic. So, like in in uh, you know the the Nazis, you know their experiments with human guinea pigs, and that was reasonable. You know to find out how to in deal with various things through through uh, using human beings to uh, you know experiment on. <coughs> but and so it, but you have to cut yourself off from feeling to do that. And and that's what what we can do. We can c cut ourselves off from feeling anything uh, by our attachment to the ideals of reason, logic. So so then, uh, like the the emotion, like compassion, is not being reasonable. It's a heartfelt thing. It's an opening of, you know, you point here. You don't feel compassion up here. You can understand the definition of compassion up here, but to actually feel it, <laughs> you know. So, like, like in in uh, monastic life, for example, the the a lot of my beginning efforts in meditation were intellectual ones. You know, I read this and followed the instructions and and. Uh, and I interpreted the teachings uh, from the intellect, and and then, uh, but emotionally, you know, I was using a lot of will and uh, force, and you know, trying to and figure it out on that level. And something in me, you know, was was finding, you know, it, it oftentimes made me even more selfish. I was so intent on getting my samadhi and my practice. That I I didn't I didn't want to be bothered with others, you know. Just leave me alone. Bring the food and go away. And <laughs> <laughs> so I can practice metta. <laughs> now when when I began to feel. Uh, Compassion was uh, when I started 
with these uh, samana sanya reflections where monks nuns they reflect on on uh, you know I am dependent on the goodness of others this is one of our you know being alms mendicant you're dependent on the kindness of others and so it's a they call samana sanya a samana is a, like a religious person and so you you're you know you're contemplating I not from the ego level of uh but just this sense of of gratitude for the kindness of others because our life the our our lifestyle depends on kindness from others to sustain it so when you start reflecting on that and you know you're making it conscious and and then you have heart your heart opens up like, like for me, gratitude was the <coughs> was a big, like big heart opening experience, and I began to reflect on how many people had been, you know, uh, helping and supporting and encouraging, and gratitude to Ajahn Chah and to the Buddha and to the lay people and to Thailand, and as you, are, you know, this 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 generosity and this this opportunity was provided freely, generously. And then you, th- you think of that and you feel this kind of rapture. And gratitude, gatanyu, they call it in, in Pali. And, the, and that was a real heart-opening experience. And, and from that point on, I've, my practice improved. You know, it wasn't just me, willful me, trying to you know, understand Buddhism and and attain in that in that self-centered uh, logical way that I was interpreting the the Dhamma. So then, and then contentment. You know, so you train yourself to be content with little. Not you know, you say your your standards of you know are are, are not. You're not saying you have to give me the best. But, you know, we reflect you know, on the four requisites. So it's like alms food, what people put into the alms bowl. We're not saying, you only give but give me your best food. <laughs> 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 or go on the alms round only to where they have the good cooks. <laughs> you know, not easy, you walk with your alms bowl and people, you know, whatever their station in life, they're low cost or high or whatever the, if they have that intention to put some of their food in your alms bowl you receive it well then this is this is a, it's a necessity in the food and then robes then you have uh, you know like the lowest standard for for robes rather than high standard is rags we're actually allowed to go gather rags that lay people have thrown away and and make robes with them. So that's why they're in these, these patchy, you know, they're, they're called rag robes. So that that's taking, you know, the refuse or the throwaways of a society and and using that. That's the standard. And But then <coughs> then on the katina ceremonies, we have after the vasa every year, the katina ceremonies are these Ceremony. This is a tradition from the time of the Buddha, where the lay community are so impressed by the integrity of the monks that they ask 
to offer cloth so the monks don't have to go into the charnel ground and and take the rags off the corpses. <laughs> and so we're very grateful for that. <laughs> and so we're content, you know, because there, somebody's always uh, content. They're always trying to get the best, you know. Uh, in, uh, they're never taking the, the cheapest, nastiest bit of cloth and offering it as a katina cloth. <laughs> People are always trying to offer, you know, a good quality material. And and so then this is this is how you train yourself. You know, so your 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 reference point is alms you know, bindabot food and and rags. But then what is offered, you know, is usually uh, people don't just you know, put stale bread and and last week's rice in your arms bowl. It's, it's usually, you know, their best food. So, but we're not asking for that. You know, we're not saying you have to give us high quality material because our reflection is on on the the lowest standard. So this is this is this brings contentment by you know. So you, you by reflecting in this way, you're developing. This is a heartfelt. Feeling contentment comes from the heart; it's not an intellectual process. You can't make yourself content just because you like the idea of it. It's it's uh, you know it's it's coming from here rather than just being some ideal that you adhere to. But you don't you know you can't make yourself that way because we're conditioned. You know, I'm conditioned from my background to be discontented. You know, modern life here in Britain, isn't it? They don't want you to be content. <laughs> they want you to be discontented. So you'll go spend your money. <laughs> for the economy. <laughs> so all the advertising, everything is saying, you know, this is the, the latest is better than what you have. The new improved is, you know, what you have is last year's model and that's, and we've got something better to offer. That, now that doesn't make you content with last year's model. <laughs> So you, but if you reflect on in in this way, then you're, you know, you're not, you're you're you don't aren't demanding the best, and you're aware of the discontentment. Now, in my own experience, it wasn't that I, I was just ordaining as a monk made me content, but through observing the suffering of discontentment. When I didn't get what I wanted, when uh, you know, when I, you know, and uh, envying somebody else, or uh, you know, feeling discontented with the food, or discontented with the robes, or then the awareness of the suffering of being attached to, by letting go of discontentment, you experience contentment. Now that and those two are the very strong foundation for for realizing Nibbana. Because, you know, if you if you had desire Nibbana as some kind of goal uh, on a personal level, then then it, you're discontented all the time. You know, you're always saying, don't bother me, I'm practicing and and uh, you know you get into you, you know I found before I was I becoming more selfish than ever before. 
very controlling. You know, if it's seen everybody as a threat because, you know, I wanted my practice, and it had to be like this, and and I didn't and and I didn't want to be disrupt uh, interrupted, or challenged, or threatened in any way. So you see, every everything around you is a threat. You kind of close down. That's not. You can't be content in that state. So in in the training, say this is what I realized the early training uh, with Ajahn Chah was very much you know uh, developing contentment and gratitude, which you know I didn't really see it at the time, but but it did you know I did through the the kind of lifestyle and the reflections I began to experience it myself. Then from that, when the heart opens, you know, when there's there's joy, there's there, you know, there's um, uh, rapture. The the jhana factors develop. You know, you feel you have, you know, your your heart is open, and and because you're not thinking about, you know, getting something better or or just taking for granted, you know that. That uh, that you know the generosity uh, that that comes to you, you're you're actually reflecting on on the kindness and goodness of others. Uh, now, when I reflect on kindness from others, that I feel is this what they call pity or rapture. And it's very moving to be the for to experience kindness. From from other people, so in 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 one's own life, the relay people, you know, this this the the monastic form is structured, you know, quite intentionally for this. But also, in one needs to recognize the the society is not like this at all. Society is based on the idea of becoming. Of progress, of getting more, and uh, not being content, and not being grateful. It's, it's my right. I want this. It's my right. I can have. You know, if somebody uh, has something better than me, well, then why should they have something better than me? Not fair. <laughs> so we, you know, we we get into you know, all kinds of negative mental states that make our lives quite uh, unpleasant. And and then, of course, we're in this, in the increases the suffering. 